VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, the show that Jim and I have been waiting all year for. We live to give our year-end best-of list, Greg. This is that show for 2007. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to welcome our newest affiliate. That is, of course, the Sonics with their 60s garage rock hit, Strychnine. That means only one thing. We are on in Seattle, one of the greatest rock and roll cities in America. We love every station that airs Sound Opinions. We always welcome them with a new song from their area. The only problem with Seattle is we've been fighting for five hours about which great rock song to play. There's too much great music coming out of Seattle. I have a personal connection with this city. I've been visiting it for the last 25 years. My sister and brother-in-law live there. What a great town, what a great music city. It is great to be on KUOW. Greg, we are about to launch into counting down our best albums of 2007. There is no way to do this that would be fair without tossing a coin to decide which of us gets to go first. Uh, But in this case, the guy who gets to go last is also a winner because he's the one who's going to say his album of the year last. We're going to count down our uh, top five records of the year. Our whole top ten list is going to be online at soundopinions.org and we'll have all sorts of links to these records that we've reviewed on the show and in the newspaper, etc., etc. Toss the coin, my friend. Alright, what are you going to call it? Call it in the air, Jim. Heads or tails? There it goes. Heads. Saying heads. Tension, tension. It lands. It's... 
Heads. Hey, all right. <laughs> Jim DeRogatis, give us your number five pick. I'm going to start, Greg, with Kanye West's third album, Graduation. People may say, Jim DeRogatis, you are being a homer. You are a Chicago rock critic choosing a Chicago rapper. I don't think there's any denying, however, that this is one of the most creative forces in hip-hop as a performer or a producer today. I think on his third album, West put himself more out on the line than ever. He's talked about growing up as a middle-class African-American in the tough south side of Chicago. He's no gangster, always felt a little inferior because of that. He's talked about loving his mom, loving his grandmother. (laughs) Here he talked about something really interesting on many of the tunes. You know, I can be really obnoxious in public sometimes. I throw (laughs) these hissy fits when I don't win an award, and I cry and moan, and I'm kind of an egotist, and I'm trying not, not to do that, and I hate it when I do, which is a really incredibly honest uh, confession for any hip-hopper who's supposed to, you know, be hard and great and never admit that they have any human flaws. On top of that, he gave us all of these uh, confessions on top of one of his best musical backings ever. He's gotten away from the lush orchestration that marked the last album and moved toward some really inventive electronic music being incorporated in his hip-hop grooves. Famously, Daft Punk powered the single, but he's also gone to acts like the German art rockers can to provide samples, uh, one of the most unlikely choices you could possibly ever think of. I'm going to play a song that wasn't one of the singles, but I think is one of the finest tunes on the album, and it illustrates what I'm saying about this disc musically. Kanye West, Flashing Lights from Graduation on Sound Opinions. From a page of your favorite author And the weather's so breezy Man, why can't life always be this easy? She in the mirror dancing so sleazy I get a call like, where are you, Yeezy? And try to hit you with the old Wapti Till I got flashed by the paparazzi These got me I hate these more than the Nazis call, I know you love to show Somebody would have told me a month ago, front and oh, yo, I wouldn't want to know. If somebody would have told me a year ago, it'd go get this difficult. Couldn't like Katrina with no FEMA, like Martin with no Gina, like a flight with no visa. First class with the seat back, I still see ya. In my past, you on the other side of the glass of my memories museum. I'm just saying, hey, Mona Lisa, come home. You know you can't roam As without I recall, Caesar. I know you love 
flashing lights from Kanye West's graduation album. Greg, uh, we both said buy it when we reviewed it on the show. Did it make your top ten? It did not make the top ten, but just barely. Kanye was in uh, heavy contention, and I have to say, I, I love this record, but I'm going to pick another hip-hop artist in my number five slot that I liked even more than Kanye's record, and that is LP. Not nearly as well-known as Kanye West, but I think uh, had a stellar 2007 with a record called I'll Sleep When You're Dead. He was originally in a group called Company Flow. He produced an amazing record by a group called Cannibal Ox about six years ago that, to my mind, is one of the great hip-hop albums of the decade. And I think he's matched it with his second solo record, I'll Sleep When You're Dead. This is a very much a meditation on the city that he grew up in, the city that he lives in, in the post-9-11 era. It is a soundtrack for the coming apocalypse, basically a song cycle about what, it, what it's like to live in New York with this paranoia, with this fear of terrorism, with this dread hanging over you. All of these songs take place while moving. You, you feel like you're on a subway train. You feel like you're on a cab hurtling through traffic. You feel like you're walking in this herd of people down uh, one of the avenues in Manhattan. Uh, there's a, just a sense of being overcrowded, hurried, harried, harassed, paranoid, and, and, and that comes through in the music. It's a powerful, evocative record. And um, I think LP, he never met a beat that he couldn't scuzz up. I love how <laughs> dirty this record sounds. There's a grime here and there's grit. It reminds me of the great public enemy records of the late 80s, where you definitely felt this swirl, like you were in the middle of a hurricane when you listened to their records. And that's the kind of feeling I get when I listen to I'll Sleep When You're Dead. Here's a track from it that I think is emblematic of the urgency that's shot through this record. LP, Up All Night on Sound of Up all night. 
That's the rapper-producer known as LP with my number five record of the year, I'll Sleep in Your Dead. The track's called Up All Night. Jim, what's your number four album of 2007? At number four on my list is the fifth album from Modest Mouse, the Washington State alternative rock band led by Isaac Brock. We were dead before the ship even sank. A lot of the attention uh, this album got when it was released in uh, March was for the fact that the guitarist is Johnny Marr of the Smiths, most famously. It's such a rich and wonderful sounding album uh, where the songwriting is so great. I don't even think he shined on it. That's how good. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, certainly he contributed to it, but everybody in the band played a role, and it really allowed Brock to do his best ever channeling of Captain Ahab. (laughs) He is a man possessed, quite literally, in an old-fashioned Old Testament biblical way (laughs) on this holy or perhaps unholy crusade for some unobtainable and mythic white whale, if you will, metaphorically speaking, that you don't even know. I mean, what is driving this guy crazy? What is it he's trying to find? What is it that's making him contemplate the end of the world? And is there a life thereafter? As far as a great, tuneful, but somewhat threatening end of the world record, my choice is Modest Mouse. We were dead before the ship even sank. I'm going to play a tune called Fire It Up.
That's Fire It Up from Modest Mouse, Jim's number four album of the year. We were dead before the ship even sank. Great choice, Jim. My number four pick was by a guy who's making a lot of news these days, Jim. Everybody's excited by this band, uh, Led, Led uh, Zeppelin, I think uh, it is. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, they got back together, some oldies act. Yeah, they did a show in London, and everybody's all excited. And, you know, Led Zeppelin, come on, John Bonham's dead. It's not Led Zeppelin. Come <laughs> Get it through your heads. <laughs> I'm with you. You know I'm with you. But Robert Plant is a great singer. Uh, Jimmy Page is a great guitar player. John Paul Jones, great keyboardist, bassist. Uh, no, no, not to denigrate those guys, but I think Plant did something more significant in 2007 besides reunite with his old buddies in Led Zeppelin, and that is make a tremendous album with Alison Krauss called Raising Sand. I really hope to see this tour in 2008. Yeah, Led Zeppelin, okay, fine. But I think this is the music that is getting under Robert Plant's skin right now and making him get up in the morning and say, I want to go and live and sing with this lady, Alison Krauss. Brings out a side of him that I've never heard before on a record. Robert Plant is pushing 60, right? Uh, you think he's done everything, and he probably has done everything. But I've never heard him harmonize quite like he has in this record. I think it's new musical territory for him. Uh, a lot of credit goes to the producer, T-Bone Burnett, uh, who brought them together, picked the songs, got the band together, tremendous band, people like Jim Keltner in the studio and Mark Rebo, creating this kind of a country noir kind of sound. It's really heavy. It's really deep and uh, mystical. And I think Plant connected with it because... He started doing this kind of thing on Led Zeppelin Three. Him and Page hit that sort of mystical blues vibe, and I think he's hearing it again in the music that T-Bone Burnett is producing and Alison Krauss is singing with him on this record. I think it's a beautiful record, and it's also kind of spooky and eerie. And I think a great example of what they're doing is this cover of Alan Toussaint's Fortune Teller, where you can hear Plant take the lead but Krauss adds these really spooky harmonies in the background. And then Rebo, at the end, lets it rip with this soul. The whole song is sort of building to that moment. It's, it's a wonderful moment, a wonderful song. Fortune Teller by Robert Plant and Alison Krauss from the Raising Sand record on Sound Opinions. Went to the fortune teller Had my fortune ran I didn't know what to tell I had a dizzy feeling in my head Took a look at my palm She said, son, you feel kind of warm She looked into a crystal ball She said, you're in Fortune teller told me 
Fortune Teller by Robert Plant and Allison Krauss, our first serious point of disagreement. I gave that a burn it when we reviewed it, Mr. Cott. But coming up from Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, more of our picks for the best album of the year and some of our listeners as well. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune, and he's Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. We're counting down our top albums of 2007. That is one of them, one of the few that we actually agree on. LCD Sound System with a song called North American Scum from their Sound of Silver record. Just a terrific record that Jim and I both had in our top tens. If you want to see what else we liked for 2007, you can go to soundopinions.org. But right now, it is Jim DeRogatis' turn for pick number three. Right, Jim? Yes, Greg. You played LP a little bit earlier. I'm going to play another incredibly inventive hip-hop record coming from Brooklyn. Tim fights over-the-counter culture. This guy is incredible. What a weird, rubber-faced novelty act, some would say, (laughs) has done kind of uh, goofy rap hits in the past, has also reinvented himself as a postmodern, Beck-like, acoustic troubadour. Here he combines both of those approaches for a record that is truly phenomenal in its concept, a searing indictment of rampant consumerism, especially as it affects hip-hop, and how that hints that the end result of this addiction to bling is a nation of zombies being blindly led to war. And if you think that that's heady stuff, the music is just as deep and inspiring and creative. It has another thing in common with another album on my list. Two albums this year, Radiohead's In Rainbows and Tim Fight's Over the Counter Culture, are available for free. Yeah, you know, beautiful you, thing. Don't take my word that yeah. this is one of the, the third best album of the year. Go to www.timfight.com. Download this music. He's giving it away. Here's a track from it that I love quite a bit. It's called Camouflage. It's wondering how anybody in good conscience can walk around with designer camouflage does purchased <laughs> at the Gap when we're in two wars and people are dying in Afghanistan and Iraq. Here's Tim Fight on Sound Opinions. Self a cap made for stealth, I bet you wanna plan the order find the look that you've been looking 
for? Uh, what you wanna look like? Like you ready for war? Uh -huh. Of course, no problem. There's plenty of uniforms here, made in all shapes and sizes to conform to your rear. Vietnam, Korea, even better desert storm. And if you really wanna pop, put this new dish on. C -c camouflage, C -c camouflage, hot to see. Camouflage, C -c camouflage, hot to see. The neck bones adjacent to the head bone. The head bones adjacent to the dead zone. Peekable, peekable. Nobody gonna notice if they leave a few of these camo flak jackets off the back of the rack tag. Can I get a bag for this? Has anybody got a bag? Has anybody got a bag? Body bag, body, body, body bag. For this. I just paid a lot for it. I think I deserve a big puffin bag. A big plastic one with a zipper down the front. That's the kind of bag I want. And I'ma take it home. Plant it in the ground like a seed. Grow a crop of camouflage so we could all rock for tea. C -c 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 camouflage, C -c 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 camouflage. That's Camouflage from Tim Fight. Great record called Over the Counterculture. It's free from TimFight.com. Number three on your list. Number seven on my list, Jim. I will say I got there first, though. Remember, I turned you on to Tim Fight at South by Southwest three two years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, yeah. I, I have to grab it where I can. <laughs> Greg, uh, we love to share the wealth here on Sound Opinions. We want to turn to some of our listeners to get their choices for the album of the year for 2007. We've got Eric on the line from Des Moines. Eric, have you got a year-end pick for us? Yeah, I think uh, the best album is In Rainbows by Radiohead. I coughed up $82 for the disc box. Oh, he oh, went for the gold. So you had to like this record. If you can look for 82 bucks, <laughs> you better of. like it. Otherwise, you're a sucker. Yeah, you yeah. get it for free or I can pay $82. <laughs> but it's Radiohead. You know it's going to be awesome. He's obviously a fan. But nonetheless, how does this stack up against the other Radiohead records? This is, I believe, their seventh studio record, correct? You know, at first it was kind of, I was a little bit unsure about it, honestly, but it has grown on me and grown on me and grown on me, and I think it's definitely up there with uh, Kid A and, and OK Computer. Is there a specific track you want us to play that illustrates its greatness? My favorite song is Body Snatchers. It just has a lot of energy, and I think it's the best track on the album. I do not understand what it is, I don't want a full of holes, check for holes, make your eyes, won't forget, take All right, Eric, you spend your $82, and darn it, it's the number one record of the year. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, guys. Ellie has got a best of 2007 pick. Hey, Ellie, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thanks for having me. What's the album of the year? For me, the album of the year was the Dan Deacon album that came out, Spider-Man of the Rings. Kind of underground dance, cutting edge of, of electronic dance music, right? Yeah, but to me, it really has more than that. It's really kind of lasted way longer than I thought it was going to last for me. All right, now you got to do a better job than that because this is not an album that we reviewed on Sound Opinions. I mean, what does it sound like? Um, it's really playful with kind of all kinds of sounds from all kinds of random places. So, Ellie, give us a track we can play, one of your favorites from the record. Uh, I think an especially infectious song is, is Crystal Cat. All right, let's hear a little of that. 
Billy, I got to ask you this: uh, Dan Deacon, I've, I've seen him a number of times. Um, he is an amazing a live performer. He nearly shut down the Pitchfork Festival by himself this Definitely. year. Definitely. Does this stuff translate for you? over the headphones or are in your living room or in your car the same way that it does when you're out there on the dance floor and he's playing it in front of 10,000 people or 5,000 people or 500 people? I mean, like you said, I think that the live show is really the draw in a lot of ways, but... You know, one of the things I really like about him and his live show is that he's not one of these too cool for school guys that, you know, a lot of the music scene is about now. And he's kind of proud to be a nerd and proud to have fun and proud to look like an idiot. And the crowd really responds to that. <laughs> All right. Dan Deacon, Ellie's pick. Thank you so much, Ellie. All right. Thanks. The show is great. I love it. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Some good calls there, Greg, and we're going to hear from more of our listeners a little later. People also uh, email us all the time, especially at this time of year, to ask, how exactly do you guys come up with your year-end best of? I think indicative of that is uh, Larry Zwolinski from out here in the Chicago Burbs. Clarify, please, if you would, how you choose your top ten albums. Sometimes it seems like you pick an album because you think we should like it or because you are happy with an artist's creativity and past experience. I hope you put music in your top list that you love to hear over and over. Do you actually get goosebumps and sing the songs from your year-end list? <laughs> That's a good question, right, Greg? Absolutely, Jim. Um, yeah, the pleasure principle rules for me. I mean, some people may take this as an academic exercise. I think you're missing the point if you take it that way. At the end of the year, I don't view it as the definitive list that I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make the definitive list for me as a listener. What records do I really like to listen to? That's how I decide what's going to go on my top ten. I know where Larry was going. There is definitely something known as critical correctness. It makes me think of that current car commercial about the high-end audio system <laughs> where the guy is showing off and he says, play artist, smashing pumpkins. And the yeah. pumpkins come on and his friend gets the better of him and say, play artist, Michael Bolton. Like, you know, there's the list that rock critics put out and then there's the stuff they actually listen to. Right. I have to go with what I actually listen to. Everything on this list makes me smile. I've listened to them like 25 times and I want to hear them again right now. Absolutely. And uh, with that, my number three pick is exactly that kind of record. It's the Besnard Lakes with a record called The Besnard Lakes Are the Dark Horse. Montreal band, we had them in the studio earlier in the year. This record really blew me away because um, the first record was okay. I, I liked the record that they made. It was kind of a, a lower fi, a more intimate record. They sounded kind of shy, you know, kind of laid back. On this record, Jace Lasik's voice comes to the forefront along with his wife, Olga. They sing together beautifully. The harmonies are fantastic. Jace told us stories about listening to Roy Orbison and the Bee Gees when he was driving around with his father, who was a salesman. So he's bringing that beautiful... 60s, sunny, harmony-laden sound into this music. But at the same time, there's these voluptuous, tumultuous guitars going around. There's heavy kind of storm clouds building. And in the middle of this, you've got these beautiful voices. And it comes together beautifully on this song, Devastation, which is the centerpiece of the record. Uh, the band played it for us live when they were here on the show months ago. I've played it on the show before because I love this song. I don't think it's too soon to play it again because it's that good. One of the best songs of 2007 as far as I'm concerned. Devastation from the Besnard Lakes on Sound Opinions.
Devastation by Besnard Lakes, Greg's number three album of the year. We're coming down to it. The top ten albums of 2007 are picks on Sound Opinions. Uh, Greg, I'm at number two. This is a record that's going to be fairly obscure, I think, to most of our listeners. I'm not even sure you've heard it yet, even though I played it and talked about it on the show a couple of months ago. People could accuse me of being nostalgic for my uh, misspent rock and roll youth in Hoboken, New Jersey in the 80s when I say that I love the Feelies and consider them one of the most important rock bands of the last 30 years. You might say that's an exaggeration. I hear echoes loud and clear in bands like The Strokes and The Arcade Fire and dozens of underground rockers. I think they were a truly phenomenally creative group between 1980 and 1991, and then they broke up just on the verge of the alternative era thing happening. Nobody's really heard from them ever since. Now Glenn Mercer, the guy who is the main singer, the lead guitarist, the primary songwriter of the Feelies, has put out his first solo album and revisited a very familiar sound. The Feelies Everything that they've done revolves around this rhythm, which takes Bo Diddley, turns it inside out, revs it up. The backbeat isn't where you'd expect it, but the rhythm creates this uh, this undertow that just sucks you in and drags you along. And they layer these guitars in a way that creates these melodic drones. I'm just a sucker. You know, one of the oldest <laughs> sounds in, in human history is the, the chanting of the psychedelic drone, the ohm, right? You know, and you get there and it makes you, you feel meditative and it makes you, it transports you to a different place. Let's face it. Greg, I'm going to play the second to last song on the album. The album ends with one of George Harrison's classics, A Merger of within you without you and love you too but this is a song called Another Last Time it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and you kind of get the feeling that it was playing long before I tuned in and it'll be playing long after I've heard it again let's take our time don't say goodbye in your head Things left That's another last time from Glenn Mercer, former member of the Feelies. That's uh, Jim DeRigatis' number two pick of 2007. Did you ever go out and buy that album? I never did. I'm wait, sorry. I, now I, I know remiss. what to get you for Christmas. I was remiss in neglecting to buy that. And it sounds good. Every time you play it, I like it. But I'm going to catch up with your review on soundopinions.org, Jim, because uh, you can go there and you can read your list of top ten records. You can read the past reviews that you've written and I've written for my top ten. And uh, we're going to be right back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with our number one albums of 2007. All the Oh, 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 oh,
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We live for this show. It is the best of 2007. Another rare point of agreement was uh, the Apples in Stereo, New Magnetic Wonder. That was a song called Energy, made, uh, what, number eight on my list? Where is it on yours? Number nine on my list. All right, all right. Let's hear from some listeners and get uh, their suggestions before we get to our records of the year. We have Jessica on the line here in Chicago. Jessica, what is your favorite album of 2007? Uh, Lowe's record, Drums and Guns. Lowe, the uh, band from northern Minnesota doing that wonderful slow and hypnotic thing. Now, now, Jessica, this is a controversial low record, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm-hmm. Um, I think low fans are split on whether this is a good record or not. What's, uh, what was it about it that you loved? Well, I feel like with a lot of their other records, it was just sort of like one note. It was good, but it didn't really feel like they stretched themselves as artists. And um, I feel like with this record, they finally found a good balance. I didn't really like the last record, The Great Destroyer. Mm-hmm. I felt like it really, I, they lost themselves on that one. But I really like this one a lot. Do you have a favorite track? Um, I really like the song Always Fade. I think that one has a, a lot of dissonance and it's pretty simple, but um, great lyrics. It's a good song. That's low with the song Always Fade. Greg, you gave this a buy it. I only said burn it. I liked it, but not as much as you or Jessica. Yeah, I agree with <laughs> Jessica on this one. Well, well, thanks for giving us your pick, Jessica. No problem. Thank you. Let's take another call about a top album of 2007. Let's go to Mark. Mark, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Asheville, North Carolina in my bathroom of my record store and Harvest Records. Bathroom of your cool. record store. Wow, that's cool. You know, you do have the reverb going on, Mark, big time. That's cool. Uh, Mark, what's your top record of the year? My top record is Panda Bear's Person Pitch. That's Noah from um, Animal Collective. Yeah. He's put out, I guess, maybe one other full-length LP before this one, but this one absolutely blew me away. It's in, like extremely drenched in beautiful, reverbed-out melodies, very Brian Wilson, Beach Boys style. I mean, it sounds... I mean, his, his voice can impeccably sound like Brian Wilson, which I think is a plus. I don't know if everyone necessarily feels that All right. way. we got to hear this. Uh, what track are we going to play, uh, Mark? I think uh, Bros is my favorite. I mean, Bros is a 12-and-a-half-minute long jam, but it, I think it's <laughs> kind of the centerpiece of the record. All right, so. well, let's hear a little of that. Oh, 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 oh,
hand to bear with uh, bros from the person pitch record. Mark from Asheville loves this record. It's his top record of the year. Thanks a lot, Mark, for being on Sound Opinions. Yeah, thank you, guys. Great callers. It was cool hearing their picks. This debate, of course, goes online nonstop on the Sound Opinions message board. But we are up, Mr. Cott, to your number two album of the year. What have you got? Jim, my number two record of the year is by MIA. It's called Kala. I liked her 2005 record quite a bit, Arular. It was basically a cheap homemade record made on a $300 keyboard. She came back this year intending to work with one of the top producers in the world, Timbaland, but she couldn't get into the United States. She had visa problems. So out of necessity, she traveled the world and started uh, doing these field recordings with musicians in places like India and Trinidad and London and infused those field recordings with the electronic production of Dave Switch Taylor, a house producer in the U.K., and Diplo, a DJ in Philadelphia, and created, I think, one of the most mind-blowing fusions of world music and dance music that you're going to hear. To my mind, this sounds like those records that Missy Elliott and Timbaland were doing in the late 90s when they took pop music and gave it a complete overhaul rhythmically, and everybody had to pay attention to what they were doing. I think the same thing is going to be said about Kala in future years. Everybody's pointing to this record and saying, this is the future of the dance floor. It's right here on this record. I think you can hear it on this track. It's $20. It's one of the great tracks from the Kala record by MIA, and it's on Sound Opinions. from MIA, my number two album of the year, Kala. She's uh, referencing both the Pixies and New Order on that particular track, for those of you who are paying attention. I tell you, Greg, I don't look at anybody else's top ten lists until after I've done mine. I'm seeing MIA's Kala album on the top of a lot of critics' lists. I love the music on that record. I think it would have been a brilliant record if it had another rapper besides MIA. <laughs> I think she's stilted and, and not very interesting as a vocalist, as a rapper. i got to go on the net now and look for the... Uh, 
just the instrumental tracks, because I think I would love that to pieces. I'm proud to say, though, I've got one record in front of me. You've got one in front of you. I don't believe this is the top choice for anybody else, either mine or yours. Not that we're trying to be unique, but these are the albums that moved us most, and hopefully we can turn some people on to them. In my case, i got to preface this by saying I do not want anybody to read any uh, Jim DeRogatis psychological things into this record, because <laughs> this is a, a midlife crisis record by a man who is now 50 years old, and it's largely a record about uh, not being able to get sexual satisfaction. <laughs> but uh, Grinder Man is as an album <laughs> that really makes you feel like a hot-to-trot 15-year-old again. This is blues rock in the rawest, most raunchy, most desperate-to-get-some-satisfaction tradition that, that has been powering this genre from Robert Johnston through Led Zeppelin, who you mentioned earlier, up to Grinder Man. Who is this? Nick Cave has been around forever. In recent years, Nick Cave, who we've talked about on the show, has been more of this kind of like Lou Reed, poet laureate, professor figure. He's reading and writing poetry. He's publishing novels. He's a a literary fellow these days. Well-mannered, well-behaved. Well, this is him reverting and reverting in a nastier way than I think he ever has. Grinderman is a four-piece band. It's blues rock. I love the White Stripes. They're in my uh, second 10, somewhere in 11 to 20. They made a very good record this year. But boy, as far as that nasty, guttural, hot to trot sound, I mean, there's so many things that I can't say, right? Including one of the uh, words of the song I'm going to play. This is No Blank Blues. I think it's the best I Just Can't Get No song since the Rolling Stones' Satisfaction. It grew on me and grew on me this album through the year. Every time I play it, I just want to get like sloppy, stupid, and jump up and down, hit my head on the wall. It's going to do it again right now. Grinder Man on Sound Opinions, my album of the year. My face is finished. My body's gone. And I can't help but think standing up here in all this applause and gazing down at all the young and the beautiful uh, with their questioning eyes that I must above all things love myself. That I must above all things love myself. That I must above all things love myself. I saw a girl in the crowd I ran over, I shouted out I asked her if I could take her out But she said that she didn't want to I changed the sheets on my bed I combed the hairs across my head I sucked in my gut and still she said That she just didn't want to I tried best to stay up late I fixed the hinges on her gate But still she just never wanted to I bought her a dozen snow white doves I did her dishes in rubber gloves I called her honeybee I called her love But she just still didn't want to She just never wants to Grinderman, no blank blues. I forgot to say it's also very, very funny. I mean, did you catch that? I bought her a dozen snow white doves. I did her dishes in rubber gloves. I called her honeybee. I called her love. But still, she didn't want to. <laughs> poor, I, did, I did poor not Nick. love that. <laughs> 
That is a good record, Jim, I have to say. But I love this record even more. Mavis Staples will never turn back. My number one record of 2007. I think I knew that the minute I heard this record. Well, you said it when we did the mid-year best of. I was so moved by this record. Mavis is now 67 years old. She was uh, in the original Staples Singers with her sisters and her father, Pop Staples. They created the soundtrack for the civil rights era in many ways. Starting in the late 50s, early 60s, they were Martin Luther King's favorite band. And uh, they wrote and performed the songs that girded Southern blacks to march for freedom in the South in the 60s. And now, re-inspired, if that's the correct word, by what happened in New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina, seeing those dead bodies floating in the murk, and the feeble rescue efforts of the United States government in that great city moved Mavis to revisit some of this material and update it for this century. Forty years later, has anything really changed since Mavis Staples and the Staples Singers were marching through the South advocating for civil rights? It's a powerful record, not only for that, for the power of Mavis's voice, but for the setting that is created around her. She picked a terrific collaborator, or I should say Andy Culkin, of her record label, Anti Records, p- picked a perfect collaborator for her, Rye Cooter. Cooter learned how to play guitar at the feet of Pop Staples, and he brings some of that sound into this record. It's a live setting. It's Mavis firing off this band in the studio and personalizing these songs in a way that she never has before. It's one of the most moving records I've ever heard by one of the greatest voices I've ever heard. It's Mavis Staples, We'll Never Turn Back, and here's a great song called Turn Me Around on Sound Opinions. That is my number one record of the year. Mavis Staples will never turn back. Uh, Jim, uh, we could have spent another two hours here going down our list. Heck yeah. But for the full list, go to soundopinions.org. It's all there. 
Next week, we are celebrating Christmas in true Sound Opinions fashion with Andy Surzan, our very own Chris Kringle, playing the weirdest Christmas music you've ever heard. <laughs> and we ask you, our listeners, to contribute your favorite Christmas song of all time by giving us a call at 1-888-859-1800. As always, Greg, Sound Opinions was produced by the ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn, with some interning help from Dave Mahler. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, the man who is always number one on our top ten list of program directors, is Tori Southside Malatina. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic, so now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, this is Susan from Chicago, and uh, I just listened to your interview with Tori Inlis today, and I just thought it was really the best interview I've ever heard you guys do. I was just thinking specifically that moment where she's explaining where she's hit rock bottom. Enough. This will never happen again. We will wake up with our dignity. And if we have to play at the airport Marriott till we're, you know, a grandmother and have our dignity as a composer, then we will. She has gotten criticism from everyone she's ever performed for, basically, or tried to succeed with. And that moment where her friend tells her that the music that's really in her heart is, is where she should go. And and then having the title track of Little Earthquakes just coming in, <laughs> Earthquakes, just, I mean, amazing. I, I just was brought to tears because I think anybody, musician, just layperson, whatever, knows that feeling where you know there's something that you have to do and you've been doing it wrong. And as soon as you listen to what's in your heart and follow through on what becomes meaningful to you, that's when you actually have an audience. That's when the art that you create really starts to have an impact on other people. And that's when you become fulfilled. So I thought it was awesome. Props to you guys, props to the producers, and of course, props to Tori Amos, who is just a genius. I think everybody knows that much. So thanks a lot, you guys. Hope you have a great day. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Kirsten from Chicago calling, and I'm just catching up with the podcast and heard your Buried Treasures show and was thrilled to hear you talk about the 1900s, a band I love very much. And I couldn't resist calling in because, gosh, you know the first place I heard the 1900s was at Lollapalooza this summer. <laughs> I think when you uh, start getting up on your high horse about big traveling festivals, it's true they're big and have lots of big corporate brand marquee names, but the fact is there are at least 50 much more independent and smaller bands who travel with them, too. And otherwise, we would never hear them. And I'm very grateful for Lollapalooza for that. And I'm grateful for the 1900s. Thanks again. Bye. Well, still ways back and you want to say we never come so close. I've got half a mind just to stay behind and meet you at the coast. 
Hey guys, this is Ted Singer calling from Mount Kisco, New York. Uh, just listen to last week's episode, specifically all the talk about the top radio stations sort of playing the same song over and over again, and this is their reaction to less music being bought and people listening to their iPods in their car instead of the radio. Well, in a world where you can get any song you want and there's, there's a million bands, there's a need for a filter of all that information. We can't all listen to everything. And so we seek out people who we trust to recommend music to us. And this is how we discover new things. We need editorial recommendations. It's why the Internet's been great. It's why sort of the iTunes feature of you know, the person who bought this also bought that. All of these things, technology is going to allow us to get more of this editorial decision-making. And so I think that radio stations uh, need to recognize that. But honestly, if uh, for-profit radio goes away and we're just left with public radio, I don't think that's such a big problem. So again, thanks for letting me voice my sound opinion. Bye. No more messages. To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.